All right. Uh, you should have gotten a couple things when you came in. One is the handout. Uh, there's some good stuff in here. I tried to put make this uh, worth your while, both in their time together and then the resources afterwards. And then a few things in the back, just as an FYI, this is uh, an invite card that we put together just to get the word out about Merge. When people come up on a Sunday morning and they want information about our premarital ministry, we made this one first, and then um, we just made this one very recently. There's so much you can do. I'm not a graphic creative guy, but just you know, try to find something that sticks out a little bit other than a business card or a three-by-five card. And all this stuff is so cheap now online. You just find someone to do it for, for cheap. And so all the years that I've done, 10 years of pre-mental ministry, this is, this is my, my uh, marketing budget in 10 years is probably like $1,000 total. That's all we've spent. And so just to make cards like this, really, they're, they're ineffective. I mean, the way that we're getting people to come is all word of mouth. And so um, that's just a side note there. If you do, you just want friends to tell their friends. That's how you grow your premarital ministry and reach more couples. If you want more information about Merge when we're done, there's a little white card. Just fill that out and leave it in the back. And we'll, I'll be in touch with you after the conference. So um, a couple things real quickly, just what would make this time helpful for you? I'd love to hear an idea or two or three on why you chose this one out of all the good options available. Yeah. Good. That is the story I hear so often. It's really interesting. So I get like we do these smaller training conferences that are 60 to 100 people and everyone wants to reengage. It's all about reengage, 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 reengage. And I leave most of those feeling rejected that nobody wants to do prep. And I just go, "Hey, why would why would we not go after them before they get married instead of just I mean, you've heard it from me a couple of times. Instead of just fixing on the other side, why would we not try to prepare them well? And so I think you're like most churches. It's good. What else? One or two others. Where I feel like I'm dropping the ball the most as a pastor. Yeah. Good. Again, you're not, you're not alone in that. Wow, on the other and, side of it. Yeah. That's just the marriages. I haven't yeah. been through my marriage bottles. And after I went through all the ones I've done in probably the last 16 years, yeah. I'm running about 50%. So it tells yeah. me I'm doing something wrong. Mm. Or that my approach is wrong. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, putting a Band-Aid on it is not fixing it. Yeah. It's, I mean, 50% is terrible. Yeah. It's a tourniquet because <laughs> loss is yeah. terrible loss. That's good. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll address all of those in, in some capacity. So um, hand out in front of you, fill in the blank as we go through. And then we're a small enough group that if you have questions, you can ask them. I might say, hey, we'll come back to that at the end. I'd love also to leave a good 10, 15 minutes for just true Q&A. And so I'll probably fly through some of this just to make sure that we get some time for discussion. How many of you got to see Merge last night in person? Good. You saw a good picture of it. Lance and Mandy did, I thought, an incredible job. And I loved her. If you were in there, anyone in there for the leaders meeting? That was so fun. Our leaders, I mean, they were just, it felt like we fed them lines. Like, this is what I want you to say to impress our guests. And they're just, they're just awesome folks who love Jesus and love doing ministry. So that was, real, that was one of my highlights, personally. Um, you, you don't need that. This is my family, just because I love them and love to show them off. And so my wife is our... Uh, room host in the back, and she's got to go pick up our kids in a few minutes. We're married uh, almost 14 years, four boys, twin boys that are almost 11, and then an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. And so my poor wife is, uh, is the only, the sole female in a very, very loud, obnoxious home. And so if you ever think of me, just pray for my wife. That'd be a great way that you can help us. I made up, we got nothing to pitch at all, like we've said, uh, but I did start a blog about uh, a year ago. And it's a lot of, I think, really good content on marriage and pre-marriage. And all I write about is what people are asking about. And so um, there's some good stuff on there for pre-marrieds. There's another resource down the road. The good thing is with everything with Merge and personal blog, I've got nothing to pitch or nothing to sell you. And so I, if it's helpful, then, then I hope it's there and free and available for you whenever you want it, if it helps you in any way. 
Why do we do what we want to do? You've heard uh, some of this from me in, in some capacity, either last night or yesterday at the conference. I think most churches really do something. And so I'm not going to tell you what to do, uh, how to do it. I really want to just help you really think through the why you're doing what you're doing, which does change the what and the how. And I'd love for you just to reexamine uh, everything you're doing. And so to your, to your point, Mike, just, you know, okay, what are you doing well? What are you not doing well? What needs to change? And so I hope you get a couple things that will help you grow in what you're doing and improve what you're doing. We started doing the premarital class in uh, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. It was John McGee sitting, sitting down at a small group table with three couples, bad copies of a few handouts, and they talked through God's design and plan for marriage. Over time, uh, this is a, a church in Abilene, that this is their first class that they did. There's six of them in there, six couples. It's twice the size of what we started with and probably 10 times more effective than what we started with. But all we have done over the years, you know, now we've got a whole bunch of couples going through, but there's nothing fancy to what we do. We teach God's word. We give them his design for marriage in an authentic and safe environment. And so our curriculum is nothing fancy. We'll talk through that in a few minutes. Uh, but we just want people to have God's design for marriage. And so what we do now is exactly the same as what we did 10, 12 years ago when we started. It's just a mentor sitting down with couples who want to get married. That's all they're getting is God's word and his design for marriage. It's Grace Church in South Carolina, their first merge class. They've got about you know, 25, 30 couples. I think they're on their third run of it right now. It's fun just to watch them take what we've given them and, and how they're growing merge in South Carolina. A couple blanks, emphasis on the function of premarital ministry over the form. So every church ought to do premarital ministry differently. So whether you are, you know, it might be a smaller church where two-on-two is the best format. You might be a middle-sized church where maybe a small group or Sunday school class would be most effective. Maybe you're in a, a larger church where a large class would be most effective. I don't care what it is. I just want you to think through what's the function of what you're doing and how you're doing it. I love word pictures, and so it helps me uh, to think through things with visual images. And so I think you've got these as blanks on your sheet. Merge allows us to play good offense. You've heard that over and over again. And so instead of responding and fixing on the, on the hurting and impaired side, we want to play good offense and get to them as soon and as quickly as possible, maybe even before they're engaged and before they say, I do. Second, that we want to get upstream of problems. And so we can uh, wait until they're married after 25, 30 years of bad habits of not being able to communicate, of not being able to conflict, of carnage in the home. We can get to them then, or we can get to them before they say I do and either break them up before they get married or get engaged, or help them establish their marriage on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And so I love Matthew seven twenty four through 27, that we're going to help them build their marriage on the rock of Christ, not on the sand of the rest of the world and the rest of culture. It's a side door ministry for unchurched or unconnected couples. And so there are men and women who will come to our premarital class that will come to re-engage as well that would never come to church on a Sunday. And so we think it's a great way just to, to grow our church, to reach our community, to get folks who would never come in on a Sunday morning. They'd have no reason to. Sunday morning is when you sleep in or you go out to the you know for brunch or you sleep off your hangover, right? And so they might not come on a Sunday, but they'll come to a class on a weeknight because of a felt need. Last, it produces an orchard, provides an orchard for future leaders. And so uh, the reason why you saw such great leaders emerge last night is because their lives have been changed and merged as participants. They've been through our foundation group ministry. They are rock-solid couples. They might be young in years and years of marriage, but they are so faithful and effective in the way that they handle God's word and the way that they love their spouse. Little video just to give you a, a bit of a picture of what we're doing in Merge. Just a short one, I think three minutes. Awesome. Can you see if the volume's on in the back, please? It was working before, I think. I don't know if Matt touched one of the buttons. So it should be the video, something, or computer. Okay, you can pull that down. And I need to repent of what I just said. It was not Matt's fault. Guess whose fault it was? 
mine. I muted my computer. So, all right, let's try this again. There we go. Hi, my name is Scott, and I help lead the Merge Premarital Ministry of Watermark Community Church. We want to help you learn more about Merge and what you can expect if you come join us. Here are 10 things you need to know about Merge. Merge is for couples who are seriously dating. No, this doesn't mean you're on dates two or three, but it means that you're trying to determine the best next step in your relationship. We want to help you figure out if you should move the relationship forward towards engagement. Merge is for couples who are engaged. We want to help you prepare for more than just a great wedding day. Merge will help you with the most important part of your relationship, which is preparing for a God-glorifying marriage. You'll be led by great married couples who love the Lord, love each other, and care for others. They are for you, they care for you, and you can ask them anything. In Merge, you will meet other couples who are in the same stage of life as you. They'll be experiencing a lot of the same joys you are experiencing and walking through some of the same challenges you might be facing. This is not your typical premarital experience. We compete, laugh, play games, and have fun together all over some great snacks. No subject is off limits. We talk about all the topics concerning marriage. Money, sex, communication, in-laws, and much more. All in a safe environment. We want you to get the full picture of marriage. The good, the bad, and the great in an authentic environment. We do teach from a faith perspective and we meet in a church, but Merge is a safe place for you. Whether you have a faith or don't attend church, you are welcome in Merge. Merge is a safe place to have all of your questions answered. It is the ideal environment to help you process the next steps in your relationship. Every week, you'll be led by our gifted and creative teaching team. Each week in Merge, we talk about a different topic with different teachers. Marriage can truly be amazing, and we want to help you get through a lot of the challenges that you might face and show you how good it really can be. In Merge, you'll get to meet other couples that really do love each other and show you that there is hope in marriage. Most importantly, we want you to hear God's design for marriage. Let's be honest, we all know couples who are struggling and married couples who get divorced, and so we want you to hear God's design for the most significant human relationship on this planet. We've been doing Merge for years now, and literally thousands of couples have finished the class. The next class starts soon. You can sign up and find all the details at dfwmarriage.org. We hope to see you soon in Merge. All right, so we, we put that together partly because when couples wanted to come to the pre-married class, they were expecting a small group, and so we wanted them to have the idea of what it's going to look like when they walk in. But I like it because it gives you guys also a real uh, good overview of 10 things that you need to know. It's for seriously dating. It's for engaged couples. It's uh, a biblical picture of marriage. We have fun. We laugh. The cheese cubes are in the video. Um, it's kind of an inside joke. We always have cheese cubes. And so we used to do the merge class in this room. Uh, back in the day, a couple of years ago, and whenever it was gross. So whenever we'd finish um, merge for the night, and all the couples left, me and two other guys that were leaders, we'd stick around and we'd probably eat about fifteen or twenty cheese cubes each. And I mean, that's shocking that I did not have a heart attack because we used to eat like a, a pound of cheese every single Wednesday night as part of our pre-married class. And so I had to make sure that made the that's my inside joke in there. So couples are, are getting married. And this is an opportunity to reach them, whether they are churched or unchurched. And, uh, you know, you heard the why for me yesterday. Just one of the things we want to do is see the city changed. And so one of the ways I think that we can change a city or a county or a state, I think one of the most effective ways is to help couples before they say I do. Before they make that big decision, we think we can really change everything about their lives and about everything that comes out of their lives. Right, so it's not just two people, it's the parents and the workplace and the satisfaction and the joy and their health. Everything changes. When you are married well, everything in your life changes. And so it's not just a husband and a wife, it's everything around them. And we all know it affects the kids. And if you do student ministry, you know it affects students. It affects everything around a couple. And so one, I don't remember the guy's name, I think it's H. Jackson Brown. I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he has this quote that says, uh, you know, make a wise decision about marriage because who you marry will determine about 90% of your joy in life or your misery in life. And I can personally attest to that. You know, being married extremely well has, is a huge source of joy for me. And I can also attest to the testimony of, you know, many, 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 many couples who didn't marry well, who marriage is, is one of 
uh, the biggest sources of frustration and hurt in their lives. And there's many issues going on with most of those guys, but this is a great way for us to um, just to change everything around us. And so we want to see the city changed for Christ. There are a few felt need seasons of life where a couple is more likely to come to church. One is when they're getting married, right? Because they need a pastor and they need a place to get married. The other is when they have a baby, right? We want to raise our kids up right in the Lord. They don't even know what that means, but they start coming to church when they want some help. And so it's just a great opportunity and time and season to meet couples. This is a great story. My friends, Connor and Cece, uh, Connor and Cece went through Merge last year, I think in the winter of 2014. Uh, Cece is unchurched. Connor has a, a mildly churched background. They both grew up in Dallas, Texas. Beautiful couple. I mean, they're just like, they could be on the cover of any, of any model magazine, either one of them. And uh, very successful in the world, but very, uh, very hurting. And, and just personally and uh, many struggles and addictions and challenges in their lives. For both of them. Well, Mike goes to the University of Texas. I'm sorry, Connor goes to Texas, meets this guy named Mike. They have a friendship that goes back many years. Mike is now a member of our body, works in our coffee shop, loves Jesus with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mike uh, reconnects with Connor, invites Connor to come to Watermark. Connor starts coming to Watermark, goes to our young adult ministry. He's dating Cece the whole time. They, um, they're about to get engaged or seriously dating. And so Connor decides that he and Cece need to go through a premarital class. And so they come to merge uh, the beginning of last year. And he's a very, very, very baby believer. She is completely lost. They go through the first week of class. They go to week two and they're out to dinner. And, uh, and Connor says, hey, I think we should pray for our dinner. And she says, well, why are you praying for your dinner? And he says, well, because we're Christians. He says, we're not Christians. He says, well, he says, yeah, I'm a Christian. He says, well, you're, you're certainly not acting like one. You do the same things that I do. We live together. We have sex. Uh, there's nothing in your life. You don't read your Bible. There's no indication at all that you're a Christian. Why would you say you're a Christian? And he kind of scratches his head and says, you're right. I don't know, I don't know what it means to be a Christian. And so he connects with Mike. A few weeks later, trust in the Lord. His life starts to change dramatically. Connor, uh, CCCs the changes in Connor. Trusts in Christ as well. Realizes that she's been just far from the Lord her whole life. And so uh, through the premarital class, through uh, Connor's transformation, they're both walking with Jesus. They're supposed to get married in October of last year, of 2014. Uh, they come from very wealthy families out in Midlands. They're doing the incredible... Destination wedding in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Four Seasons, scheduled for October of last year. Cece's mom comes down with, or not comes down, she, she has cancer, and it's pancreatic cancer, which progresses incredibly quickly. And so October, whatever the date was, is approaching. Mom can no longer travel. She is so sick. She's got to be checked into MD Anderson Hospital in Houston for cancer. She's got a couple weeks left in her life before she passes away. They cancel the destination wedding in Scottsdale. They get married in the courtyard of MD Anderson Hospital in Houston, Texas. Their reception, instead of being at the Four Seasons in Scottsdale, is in the employee lounge of the hospital. Instead of the fancy meal that they were expecting and dreamt of, the reception includes grape juice, Nutella, and Triscuits. That was what they did for their reception. And their wedding was incredible. I, I, would have, I wish I could have gone. It was such a great demonstration of what happens when you trust in Christ and how your life changes in every single way. Mom dies, uh, like, I think a week after they got married. And so mom got to be a part of the wedding. And I don't know if you noticed, but what do you see just to this side of the cross? Can you tell on that picture? It's yeah, IV bags, IV poles. She's got, it's not just one bag in one line. She's got like 20 lines and a bunch of bags and everything attached to her so that she could be at her daughter's wedding. What's really cool is that their story got picked up nationally. Just somebody put some pictures out there and somebody saw it and somebody retweeted it and somebody shared it and all that. And before you know it, this becomes a national news story about how this couple... I mean, it was the gospel was being shared all over the place as their story went public. Okay, so what we do with our premarital ministry, 
Uh, it is discipleship. You've heard it over and over and over again the last couple of days. But really two phases to what we do. One is our premarital class called Merge. It's either done in a, in a weekend format or an eight-week format, followed by two-on-two premarital mentoring with a uh, mentor couple. The class itself typically is uh, a combination. It's engaged in seriously dating couples, about 50% of each. We do eight weeks in the class. The weekend version is a Friday night, all day Saturday. Uh, we do, this is what we cover. It's exactly what you'd expect we cover. What is marriage? And so a definition of marriage on night one. Uh, number, second week is communication and conflict. Third week is roles in marriage, role of the husband, role of the wife. Fourth week is spiritual intimacy. And so that's the night that we really get into the gospel. And so how um, your relationship with Christ determines everything in your life. That's the first half of the night. The second half of the night is how to have fun in marriage. And so how to date, how to pursue, how to be creative. If you're married, you know that it's real easy to be incredibly creative and effective before you say I do, and then before you have kids, and then once you have kids, you just become old and boring, and you don't do anything fun anymore. And so, that, you know, on a side note, uh, Dave Carter wrote this book called um, Torn Asunder. It's a recovery book for couples that have had affairs. The follow-up to that book was called Close Calls. And he says, here's what couples who have had affairs want uh, couples who have been faithful, what what they want them to know. And so one of the most common characteristics of couples who are unfaithful is that boredom is a part of their marriage. And so we just just added this in about, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half ago that we said we need to to do everything we can on the pre-married side to make sure that these guys don't get bored, that they really do enjoy the companionship. And I think Ted Cunningham, who you've heard from a few times, does a great job of just speaking to the fact that we need to have fun in marriage. Finances, expectations and laws, that's what we did last night. Sexual intimacy, really, really fun. They get a a right theology of sex. And, you know, that's one of the hardest topics to speak on because you have people who have been um, raised up in the church and love Jesus and they've never done anything. Uh, They've maybe never even kissed someone else. And then you've got the couples who live together that had sex earlier that day. And so you're trying to teach to a very wide spectrum of maturity and experience when it comes to intimacy. The last week is called Understanding Your Spouse. It's basically how to apply 1 Peter 3, 7, live with your spouse in an understanding way. And uh, side note, I hate gender stereotypes. Okay, so we do not teach all men are this way, all women are this way. I think that's a terrible way to do a premarital class. Uh, There are a lot of Christian books that are written out there that are about gender stereotypes, that all men are like this and all women are like this. Here are his top five needs. Here are her top five needs. That's just not true, and it's not effective all the time. It might be true for the majority of men or the majority of women, but what if you're a couple uh, where the woman has a higher sex drive? The guy wonders what's wrong with him, and she wonders, am I not attractive? Why is he not chasing after me like all the books say he should be? And so maybe, one, he might be looking at porn. Two, it might be that she just has a higher drive. And so we do everything we can not to teach gender stereotypes. If my wife was in here, she'd vouch for it. Who's more emotional typically, men or women? Women. Yep, in our house, Kristen is like this. My assistant, Beth, is like this. I'm like a drama queen. I'm up and down all over the place. And so in our marriage, we have kind of the reverse roles, and my assistant is the same way, and it's, it's very, very helpful to have someone stable next to me, both at home and at work. The weekend version, we do Friday night, all day Saturday. I, I can't stand it. We do it because we have to, because couples, you know, maybe one lives here, one lives out of town. Uh, we've also used it as a way to reach couples where both live somewhere else and just want to do uh, merge, but they can't come in on Wednesday nights. And so it's been, it's been actually been very effective. Um, it's just like drinking out of a fire hydrant. You know, to give them everything that we cover in an eight-week class in a weekend is impossible. And so we give them two-thirds of the material. We give them a lot of homework. What I really uh, miss is not the content. They can get all the content. They miss out on the relationships. You know, the eight-week relationship with the mentor, the relationship with the other couples, that's, that's where stuff happens. Okay, you can find good content anywhere. If you Google it, go to Amazon or go to Mardell Family Life, Lifeway, you'll find a, a lot of good Christian content that will help couples. What you don't get when you buy the curriculum is the mentor, is the couple that cares about you, that pours into you. And so if you want the secret of what we do, it's that we talk about Jesus a lot. Everything we teach is from his word. 
It's safe, authentic, and you've got a mentor couple who really, really cares for you a whole lot, enough to have the hard conversations and challenge you. We do a leader training the week before class starts, two and a half hours just to get them equipped and ready, talk about expectations. We've got a good leadership. We also do a weekly leadership meeting like you guys saw last night in Merge and Reengage. Every week we meet for 45 minutes, do dinner, case studies, pray together. Uh, it's kind of like the pregame prep. Uh, I kind of fire them up until they run out into the field and win the game. And so that's been a, a really helpful part for me to have just a consistent relationship and, and touch points with our leaders. Um, we have a good coaching structure that uh, there's a, a support network. When a leader has an issue, they either come to me or they go to a coach. And so we always want to make sure because they're leading human beings and leading human beings is hard, we want them to have a very good support structure around them to help them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So we meet for uh, two and a half hours the week before we start a new class. And so we get all of our, I'm sorry? Yep. So two and a half hours of um, expectations, equipping. Here's what you would need to know to lead a table and merge. Here's what, um, here's when you would call me. Here's resources you would look into. Um, Here's what I expect of you. If you're going to lead really well over the next eight weeks, here's what you've got to be able to do. And we cover that, some of that in the recruitment meetings. Yeah, so when I recruit someone to lead in our premarital ministry, I want them to lead two or three times during a given year. And so we offer the class five times and do three weekends. I don't expect them to lead eight times a year, but I do expect them, if they're going to serve in that capacity, to lead really well for eight weeks. You might take your class off and come back and do it again. A lot of churches are doing like a semester. You do a, a winter class and a fall class. And so when you recruit them, you want them to lead a few times, largely because the more you lead, the better you'll be. And so uh, they know what they're getting into. If they tell me, uh, I really want to serve in the next eight weeks, but I'm going to be out of town for a few weeks, or I've got a lot, I'm a CPA, and so I can come on Wednesday night and lead for two hours, but I can't do anything outside of class, then I tell them to wait until they're more available. And so the recruit is not just for Wednesday nights. It's uh, the best leaders are available. Okay, so I know they've got full-time jobs, and I'm not expecting them to quit everything and ignore their kids and ignore their marriage, but I need them to be available to be able to shepherd the couples more than just two hours a week in a class. Great question. So uh, our leaders in the current class are made anywhere from two and a half years up to 49 years. And so a good spectrum of, of all the way across. If you're married two years, I've got to feel really good about your background and your prep and your so if somebody's been through Merge as a participant, if they've done two-on-two mentoring, if they've been through a foundation group, they've been discipled on marriage for two years, and I'm blown away by how mature they are. Now, they lack you know, experience, and so we, we find ways to support them with that. There's also something about the couple that's married two and a half years that can do something that you and I can't. They connect incredibly well. And so they can get in their heads. They know what it's like to date in this culture. I'm, I'm an old married man. I've got... I've got, you know, adolescent boy issues that I'm dealing with most of the time. These guys are very well connected with culture and relationally with couples. And so there's an up and down. I still take, you know, Bobby and Gloria Gilpin married 49 years. Uh, they, I, I would take their wisdom and their experience and what they've been through over a two-year couple. But there's so much that these younger couples can offer. And I think the church often discounts. It's one of my soapboxes. They, uh, I won't start yelling at you like I do from the main stage. But I, but I think the church really misses out because they might say, you have to be married 10 years to be effective and pouring into couples. And it's just a number. Like you could have 10 years of marriage, but what if your marriage stinks? Right? Or you're a new believer, but you've been married 10 years so you can serve. Whereas these guys are, are they're so effective in the way they lead. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Dave. Well, yeah, answer one question. Yeah. The, um, the leaders get dinner, and then the participants just get a snack. And they get whatever's left over from the, from the leader dinner every week. Yes. Every Wednesday for eight weeks, and then I ask them to do two things outside of that. One is that there's one touch point every week between class. And so that means a phone call, a text message, a coffee 
something. Yep, it might be if you've got a busy week, it might just be a text. Other weeks, it's you're sitting down and having coffee or lunch with them. And then we ask them to do one social event every eight weeks that takes them away from the, you know, the being in the, the, the church building. And so we give them $50 uh, to do whatever they want, to go out to dinner, to have them over to the house, to do pancakes. That has been, I've tried to get rid of that uh, for the leaders because that's a huge line item in my budget. So every couple pays $80 to, to be a part of the class, and they're getting uh, $10, just FYI, $10 off of every registration goes to pay for our uh, kids' ministry, for child care, for leaders. And then I'm giving back another large chunk of that to the, to the participants to be able to do something social. So every time I've tried to kill it, the leaders have told me, absolutely not. That's one of the most effective things that we can do because it tears down the walls outside of class so that they're more open inside of class. $80 per couple, yep. Do you have a question there? Yeah, the question I was going to ask was um, when the leaders are, how, I guess the question is, how are the leaders selected for like which faith? Like, yeah. do, you, do you have like one group? Are they Good question, yeah. Yeah, it's very simple. So we take, uh, and I can't remember if I covered this or not, so I'm just going to do it now. So we take the oldest mentor couples and the oldest participants, youngest mentors, younger participants, and it's four, 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 four. So the oldest get the four oldest couples. The youngest mentors get the four youngest. The other piece we look at is we try not to put more than one or two couples who live together at every table. I'll tell you why. It actually happened in the back corner of this room a while ago by we randomly put a table together with three couples that were living together, one that wasn't. And so one time that the leader couple runs out to go to the bathroom at a discussion break and they come back and the three are trying to, trying to get the fourth one to move in together like a pyramid scheme, like they're trying to get them to, to jump in on it as well. And so when we heard that story, we decided to never put more than two couples who live together at a table for that reason. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, like for a church that's a, that's a smaller size, yeah. What do you recommend? Because like a lot of this. If you hold hold off on that, I'll come back to that at the end. Great question. I gu- I guarantee I'll get to that. All right. So, how do we prepare our couples? Three different ways that we do it. Uh, we do large group teaching from up front. We do small group table discussion. And then they do homework together as a couple. Just show of hands. Uh, I want you to choose which one of those three you think is most effective. Large group teaching, small group discussion, or homework. So if you think it's the homework that's most effective, raise your hand. One vote per person. Good. If you think it's the teaching, raise your hand. Okay. If you think it's a small group, raise your hand. Okay. I've asked this question probably 25 times with a group of leaders and first of all, like no one ever raises their hand for the teaching, which completely invalidates what I do in my role, but no offense taken there. But it's actually the answer is almost always 33, 33, 33. It always comes out. It might be 30, 30, 40, but it's much more equal than you would realize. The, the bottom line there is that people learn in different ways. And so whatever you do with premarital, so to answer your question, whether it's two-on-two or a small group or a large group, I would recommend that you have multiple methods, uh, avenues of teaching and shepherding and leading. And so every couple learns in a different way. I love the, the way that these work together, I think, is very effective. Somebody said it's like perfect symphonic harmony. I don't know what that means, but she said that the three pieces work together in a way that's much more effective than any one of them would on their own. And so to that point, that's why I say you can go buy a book you can go buy a DVD. You can have couples go through gay content. But if they're not shepherded, if they're not held accountable, we're not as effective as we can be. Um, curriculum, we, we talked through briefly. They get you know, an hour or two of homework every week. Typically, it's one hour on their own, and then an hour of discussion is what we expect out of them. Some weeks, it's a little bit more. Uh, no weeks is less than that, but it's a minimum of two hours a week. I love this. This is from an educator works in the public school system, and just very simple. You know, people forget what you teach them. And so that's why, in some ways, Sunday mornings are not effective because most of what they hear, they're going to hear one time and they're never going to come back to again. And so that's why a lot of churches are doing 
teach on Sunday, and here are small group discussion questions for your community group to discuss what you learn on Sunday because most people forget it. And so we, we started doing this uh, a few years ago where we just want to have multiple touch points with everything that we teach. And so it was great to see this and actually bump up our game a little bit more. And so what it looks like in Merge is we teach a concept from the stage. About 20 minutes later, they talk about it as a small group. A day later, they get an email from my assistant, Beth, that has a blog post that I've written that reinforces what they heard from the stage and in discussion. They do their homework together. They do their homework a few days later on their own. They discuss it a day or two after that. They come back the next week and merge, and maybe we'll revisit what we covered the week before for a minute or two. And so we're giving them five, six touches on the same thing. It's a whole idea that less is more. We don't teach... We do teach a lot. I think we can even condense it, but we're trying to drive home the main things that we want them to hear and to learn. And so we try to give it to them over and over and over. Small groups are led by incredible leaders. Uh, They are the ones who do the shepherding, who do the leading. I'll talk about cohabitation from up front, you know, unashamedly and and biblically, but I'm a limited voice. I'm a voice, a, a head up at the front of the room that they don't know. But when they're surrounded at their table by a mentor couple who personally invests in them and will spend time with them and challenge them on where they are spiritually and why they're choosing to live together or be sexually active, it's much more effective for the leader to do that. And so these guys, I always hope Jesus is the hero of what we do. And then if there's a human hero, it better not be the teacher or the church. It should be the leaders of the groups because they're the ones that are having all the conversations. We really expect our leaders to do the hard work. There are high expectations and I think high results. They're empowered to have the hard conversations. We tell our participants on night one that your leaders are going to challenge you. And that's because we tell them to and we ask them to. That is the best way for them to love you and care for you is to challenge you all throughout Merge. We address all of the topics that you'd expect. Cohabitation, premarital sex, remarriage, birth control, wedding planning, all of the things that are controversial that couples are asking about and want to know about. And so we want to provide an environment for them to do that. The limitation of what we do in the class is that one, we can't change them. We can't force anything upon them. Second is that um, it's just hard to get the individual personal attention around a small group table that you might be able to get if you do two-on-two mentoring. And so for that reason, we have a two-pronged approach to what we do in premarital prep here. They go through the eight-week class, and then in part two, we match them up with a mentor couple who might be their merge leader from the class. It might be the pastor marrying them, or it might be another couple who's a part of our body who does mentoring and cares for couples. And so we have them go through the prepare and rich inventory, the prepare inventory with premarital couples. They do it four to six times. You meet in the mentor couple's home. It's either the trained mentor couple or the officiating pastor. Uh, I think the prepare is excellent. I love it. We've used it for years. Some of you might use the focus inventory. Uh, Les and Leslie Parrott are coming out with an assessment. It's already out. It's called the Symbus Assessment, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. They've got the book and the curriculum, which I think are fine, but they've come out with an assessment that I think is really good. So the assessment is, the reason I like it is it's 2015, and it looks like Apple designed the inventory. It's sharp. It's clear. It's uh, very creative looking. It just engages with a 2015 culture. And so find something that you can use to mentor or shepherd couples. And so for some of you, it might be uh, ridiculous to do a class like we do, but it might be incredibly effective just to use the Prepare and Rich, to use the Focus Inventory, to use the Symbus, something where you have a mentor that sits down with a couple and helps prepare them for marriage. I love the two-pronged approach because in Merge, they get the equipping, the relationships, the mentor. In the two-on-two, they get the personal attention that I think really prepares them well for marriage. Most of the time, we can break up the couples before they get to two-on-two. And so we can't scale every couple that wants two-on-two mentoring or watermark. There's no way that we could scale that. And so having the class allows us to reach non-believers. It allows us to help other churches by mentoring their couples. The two-on-two piece for us at Watermark is reserved for couples who are members who have been through merge who are engaged. Your question here? Yeah. Who pays for the preparing? They pay. So we, uh, we charge them exactly what we pay for the inventory. And so we buy them in bulk. We buy 200 at a time 
if you buy them in bulk, it's uh, 25 or $30. And so we just charge that right back to the couple. And, and you're doing this at the end of the merge class? Correct. So whenever you finish merge, whenever you finish the eight weeks, if you want to take the next step with us to do two on two, you just email merge at watermark.org and we match them up, have them take the assessment and uh, match them up with a mentor. It's good. All right, the whole premarital process. Yeah, Mike. Great question. So um, Mike's question was, what percentage of couples that go through merge do the two-on-two? So right off the top, you can get rid of 50% of the couples in the class because they go somewhere else or they're unchurched. Out of the 50% that just go to Watermark, about half of those are seriously dating. And so uh, the other, so now you're left with 25% of the large group. Some of that 25% will do two-on-two with the pastor who's going to marry them. Maybe it's a, you know, a youth student ministry pastor growing up might be a relative that they might do it with. And so I'd say out of any class of 100 couples, probably 20 will do two-on-two with us, 15 to 20% of it. I'd love to see that number go up because I so strongly believe in that individual attention. At the same time, it's really hard to find all the mentors, and so we don't push it incredibly hard. We just, we're, we're just, I mean, honestly, we're just trying to survive some weeks. And so we, we want to push it more, but it's so hard to find the mentors for all of this. Uh, but we do believe in it in really strongly, just the two-pronged approach. Yeah. Do you guys staff marry a couple um, here at Watermark? Yeah. required to have gone through both phases? Yeah. Did someone just come out of merge? It's not just the, the phase one. Great question. So if you're going to get married by a Watermark pastor or get married on campus, you've got to do both, the class and two-on-two. And, and what, I, what I'd encourage you, like if, wherever you are church-wise, I don't know how many of you are staff and how many of you are, are not, I'd encourage you to have a uniform policy when it comes to that. Because the problem is, like, if, you know, if Pastor Mike only requires you to do the class, but Scott requires you to do the class and two-on-two, and, you know, you can't be sexually active, you can't live together, but we'll just pick on you, Mike. We'll say, you know, but they can do whatever they want, and Mike's going to marry them. They're not going to come to me. They're going to go to Mike every time. And so over the years, it's been really effective to have all of our staff on board. Then no one marries a couple here at Watermark unless they've been through merge, they've been through two-on-two, uh, they meet with someone, they're shepherded, they're cared for. They really rely on, on merge and the ministry I lead to prepare them well. And so it's been, it's been so effective to have everyone on the same page. And so I'd push for clarity when you go back home and as best you, get, you can get people aligned in how you're going to do prep. Otherwise, it's kind of the wild, wild west. Everyone does what they want to do. A, f- a few challenges, just the, the process, uh, you do merge. You do two-on-two, and then when you're newly married, you get into a foundation group. Merge is open for everyone, believer, non-believer, member, non-member. Two-on-two, we require membership, uh, and you've got to be a watermark person, engaged. Foundation group also is open only for members. We don't let non-members into our small group, community groups for newlyweds. A few challenges and opportunities, I face the same issues that you do. What I've had to do over the years is I take challenges and they need to become opportunities. So the fact is the world is redefining marriage. Okay, however way we want to talk about that, cohabitation, same-sex marriage, marriage is obsolete, the whole starter marriage thing where you marry someone, you build up equity, you learn lessons, and then you move on to someone else, and then you move on to someone else. And so we've got, we're, we're just facing it just like you are, that marriage is getting crushed in our culture. And so I, I love that. I mean, that's what fires me up and gets me going in the morning is that I have an opportunity to challenge what the world says and to love couples and to engage them and to not let culture scare us away from giving God's design for marriage. Lack of purity and cohabitation. Again, God is not trying to rip you off. Can you trust God's design? I, I know you want to have sex before you get married. It's good. It feels good. It's a great way to bond. But can you trust that this is what God's design is? And so don't be scared off by that stuff. Divorce, remarriage, blended families, again, become opportunities to love and shepherd and challenge couples. Poor models of leadership. They don't know what they're doing. So few of our couples have grown up in homes where dad was a strong leader, loved Jesus, and knew how to love and serve and lead his wife. Very few of the men and women have grown up in a home where mom views and embraces the role of a godly wife 
I mean, what I believe biblically is that the role of a wife is, is a helper and submitter. That does not mean she's inferior. It does not mean that she is weak. She might be physically weaker, but she is equally significant. She just has a different role. Hey, culture just crushes women, and they think the church, all we do is trump them with submission, and submit means shut up and do what I tell you to do. And so we have an opportunity to say that. I'm so sorry. That's what you think the church believes or what the Bible says. Rather, the role of a wife is equally Christ-like, just like the role of a husband. It's a different aspect of who Christ is, but both roles are equally Christ-like. At the same time, husband, you are to lead the relationship. And so we get to show them what leadership looks like. I love that they sit down at a, at a leader table. And you know, they sit down, I'm just thinking of my friends Luke and Ashley Baker who lead and merge. And I think of these young men who look to Luke and they get to see maybe for the first time, here's what a godly husband looks like. He doesn't put his thumb down on his wife. He loves her. He leads her. He serves her. He's just, he's trying to be like Jesus. And, and uh, I love that they get to kind of grow up for eight weeks under the leadership of some of our cultures. It's hard to find leaders. Okay, that's the most important thing I, I've got to do in my job is find effective leaders. But it gives me an opportunity to offer to couples who are part of this body who have a good marriage. What if you were able to kind of reproduce yourself? What if you're able to disciple other couples so that they uh, can become more like Christ? As you follow Christ, they're going to follow your leadership. It's, it's 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so it's hard to find leaders, but it has been such a great opportunity within this church that every class I've got to find 40 leader couples. And so that, that's just a way to find 40 different men and women who have the opportunity to grow in their marriage and for God to use them in really significant ways. And so I love that challenge. It's a great opportunity. Lack of spiritual depth and maturity. Then people don't know God's word. They, uh, they've never been discipled. They don't have good models in front of them. Uh, I love something that came out of Mars Hill a couple years ago. Uh, Mark Driscoll wrote an article about just the different types of people who are living together. And so there's some who are just, just defiant. Okay, here's what God's word says. I don't care. Uh, I'm a believer, they would claim, but I'm, but I'm just not going to do what God's word says. Then there's this growing chunk of the population. I, I just referenced this when I talked about cohabitation that I think genuinely doesn't know that cohabitation isn't right. They don't know it's sin. They don't know it's God's best because everyone is telling them to move in together. Their parents, their friends, everyone's doing it. And so they don't know that you shouldn't live together before you get married. And so that's just the expectation. I don't expect... Uh, this isn't a premarital class for someone like me. Okay, now, I could be in there. I, you know, I went to seminary, seminary trained, all that. Been in ministry full time for 13 years. It is appropriate for me to be in there, but I'm not the only target audience. And so we can't just teach to people who are fully devoted followers of Christ. We've got to be prepared to lead people who are all over the spectrum spiritually. And if we're only reaching people like you and me, we're not reaching the right people. We're not getting into the culture. We're not reaching unchurched people. And so I really think that is how we're going to change the city is not by reproducing leaders just like you and me, but also reaching people who no one else is reaching. And so all those things, I hope you see those as opportunities for the church. Uh, a couple of things in terms of next steps. So um, we made the decision before we started to, um, you know, we might have done this differently now looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. But other churches that are interested in finding out more about merge and doing merge in their own church, we, we made the decision that you've got to go through the pre-conference so that you get trained in the full material. You're just getting a, like a drop in the bucket of what we do for a church to become a merge church. And so um, I wish we would have communicated that more effectively. This is my number one thing I would have done differently if we were to do this all over again. And so, um, so we decided those that come to breakouts can't use the curriculum. But just email me. We can, we can talk. We'll figure something out if you're interested. We have uh, 12, 13 churches right now. They're doing merge in some capacity. Uh, probably a third of them are doing it in a large group environment. And, and not a, not, maybe not as large as we're doing, but you know, maybe like a, a room this size or half this size. We've got a few churches doing that. We've got a few churches that are using merge as a small group where you give them the curriculum. We give you the audio. They listen to the audio for homework and then come together as a small group and listen to it or discuss it. And so maybe it's one mentor that's leading four or five couples at a time. We also have five or six churches that are using Merge in a two-on-two environment. And so it's one mentor meeting with one couple. You give them the audio, they listen to it for homework, 
they come in and meet with you, you and your spouse, for you know six, eight weeks, however, however fits with your format. Um, we tried to design it for other churches in that almost by accident, honestly. Like everything we put together is for the large group environment like we do here. But we found just we've really lucked out that it can be used in two-on-two and also in a small group context and environment. Um, uh, you know, there's lots of nuances to it. But, but if you do use Merge, you don't, all you do is you buy the books from us. And then there's a ton of resources. So the audio is available, the, the leader agendas, which really means just all the small group discussion questions and um, all the leader notes, all that stuff, the answers, all that. All that's available if you do decide to, do, to use Merge in your church. I've also given you in this handout a few things. So on page five, this was just because I wanted to play with a cool new program that, that I bought on my computer. And so visually, it just gives you an idea of what kind of our demographics look like in Merge. I'm not sure. That's the other thing I would have done differently is I wouldn't have done that because it took way too long and it's not even that helpful. You get a copy of our Purity Pledge. And so we ask couples to sign this. It's not required for them to sign it if they go through, but we highly, highly, highly suggest it if they're going to get married in our chapel or by one of our pastors, they do need to uh, willingly sign a purity pledge, which is, you know, again, hey, we want God's best for you. If you are sexually active, you're going to miss it. You're going to overlook the fact that you're on different pages spiritually or you can't communicate because the sex is really good. And so trust us, this is God's best for you. Cohabitation statement. And then our pastoral statement on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We have a very conservative stance on that. What I would recommend, you don't have to do what we do or believe what we believe. I would encourage you as a church to have some stance on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, largely because, again, you want to find some kind of consistency at your church. You don't want uh, five different views on marriage, divorce, remarriage. And so our elders worked tirelessly to put this together. And so I hope it's a helpful resource. It's one of those things that we put out there for the church to be able to reference and use uh, most churches are not going to agree with where we land. We're okay with that. We just hope that it helps you um, process what the scriptures say about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Yeah, David. Uh, the premarital pledge. How many yeah. times do you ask for that back? Yeah, so we, um, you know, some churches might do this differently. We address it on night one very, very uh, briefly. I say, hey, we're going to give you a purity pledge that we think you should read over. We would love for you to sign it. Here's why we think it's God's best. And then I shift gears and say, probably most of you in this room think I'm crazy right now. That's okay. I'm a little bit crazy. But this is for your benefit. We want you to process this well. And so even if you disagree, here's what I want you to think through. I want you to just say, for eight weeks, will we move out? Will we stop having sex? Just give it a try for a few weeks. You know, See what happens for eight weeks. Okay, I promise you it will be a benefit to you. And then if you still disagree, don't use that as an excuse not to come back. We love you. We want you back next week. Whether we agree or disagree, please don't miss out on premarital prep just because we're not on the same page about purity. And so we address it on night one. The leaders follow up with them. They have an individual conversation with every couple, whether they turn it in or not. We address it again on week seven when we get to uh, sexual intimacy. And so we hammer it home again just to help them and remind them. And then we ask them when we're done with the eight weeks to keep it up. The purity doesn't end just because merge ended. And so find someone who's going to hold you accountable that will help you, that will encourage you, someone to call if you stumble or fall. And so, uh, and then we just remind them that we're all called to purity, not just pre-married couples. And so purity for the pre-married looks different than it does for the married person. We're all called to a life of purity, but it just looks different. And so we tell them it's great training for the rest of their lives. And I would tell you probably uh, by survey, we asked them how many of you sign it. And just if you're curious, I'll give a few numbers. So um, the class we're in right now, 80% have been sexually active with someone at some point. 65, 67% have been sexually active with the person they're currently going through the class with. 15% currently are still sexually active, which I always love that. That means that from 80% have been active with someone to 15% being active now. That means 65% have stopped having sex with someone. Or they've stopped, just even though they've had in the past or no longer 
having sex, which I think is a huge, huge win. Um, sexual abuse. Do you know the statistics on sexual abuse of how many men, how many women are abused? Any guess of one out of every X number of women are abused? What would you guess? Yeah, three. One out of every three or four, two out of five, 40%. And so whenever I heard that, you know, nine or 10 years ago, I thought, well, that's interesting. That's probably a national number. That probably isn't what's in our merge class every year or every week. And so we started asking that question. And sure enough, not in every class, but we've had as high as 25 to 28% of the women have been sexually abused. Uh, and that's, you know, white, upper-class, conservative Christian church. It's still one out of every three or four women have been abused. And then they say one out of every five or six guys have been abused. Um, those numbers hold up true for us as well. And when I say I need to go back to white Christian, you know, of course, we're not a white church. We're predominantly white is who we reach, but I love in our premarital class, we are uh, becoming just more and more ethnically diverse, which I love that we're reaching folks across the city. Um, it's Again, it's just a felt need to reach people, whether they're church, unchurched, whether they go to your church or another church. If you do prep well, people, people will come. If you build it, they will come. Um, the average person has about thirty to $35,000 worth of non mortgage debt. And so whatever the numbers are in culture, we're seeing them as well. Uh, the guys, many of them are looking at porn. The ones who don't live together are spending anywhere from, you know, a lot of them spend no nights together, but we're seeing a large chunk of them that spend two, three, four nights a week together. And then there's always a small, probably, I don't know, 5% of every class that doesn't cohabitate, but they still spend six or seven nights a week together, which just cracks me up. Like, just, just move in. Just, just be better stewards and don't get two water bills. If you're going to act like it, quit pretending. And, or a better option is to stop spending the night, don't move in together, wait until you say I do, and then have sex whenever you want and enjoy it. Right? Um, what else? Any other questions? Okay, so one, two, three, four. You're first, yeah. Yeah. We have a couple that is fairly innocent in their marriage and they don't have any big problems. Yeah. Um, so then they're unfortunately partnered with a group that there are two big yeah. happening in there. And so for them to sit there and listen to these train wrecks, you know, sometimes there, there was a train wreck that didn't share their train wreck because of this innocent couple. So yeah. it's like all stars and butterflies. Yeah. Um, how do you, do you have situations like that where, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm thinking of the class right now. There's um, one of our tables. There are two couples who are living together. One is just another kind of tough couple. And then the fourth couple is a staff couple. And so, you know, what, what, I, what I think the more mature staff couple needs to be reminded of is your risk of divorce is maybe not just as high, but, you know, you, your chance of having a failed marriage, of sinning, of. Uh, you know, my, my chance of having an affair is just as high as anyone else's. You know, I'm a marriage pastor in a church that has a lot of accountability. I'm just one or two clicks or steps away from ruining everything in my life. And so I just remind them, I don't care how mature you are, you need to learn how to be married. And it's a little bit different in marriage because they're all a little bit clueless about what's coming down the road. And so it's a little bit of an equal playing field. I would say even in re-engage, you know, why, why are you there if you are so perfect why aren't you leading? Okay, uh, but the, the stuff will come out. If you create a safe environment, I think most couples will realize that there's something for them to to grow in, and some ways for them to improve. And then, what I love too, when you've got a mature couple on the merge side who's sitting with three much less mature couples, is that sometimes the mature pre-married couple actually is a second voice to what you're communicating. And so, I could tell a couple not to be sexually active, but I get to go home and you know, be with my wife, whereas these guys have the same, you know, the same restrictions, boundaries as the rest of them. And so it's just a good second voice to some of the stuff that we're trying to communicate. Good. Yeah, right here. Um, going back to the sexual abuse statistics. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, we're right on track with, with those statistics where we yep. serve. And, yep. Uh, so how, how do you equip your leaders Excellent. to address that when that comes up? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So uh, we, have, we have a ministry here called Shelter, and so we can send all of the women to Shelter. 
And it's a, just basically, it's a branch of our recovery ministry. And it's for women who have been sexually abused. And so they've got a safe place to go any week of the year, any Monday night, they can go somewhere. For the men that have been abused, we have a ministry for men who have been sexually abused. And so uh, we don't per se, like most of our leaders, wouldn't know how to shepherd a couple through that, but they know where to send them. And so we're, we're just richly blessed here with great ministries. If you don't have those, you know, maybe it's a counselor, maybe there's a book. I bet there's a couple in your church. Maybe they don't lead a ministry, but there's probably a couple in your church. There's probably a lot more than you realize who have great marriages who have walked through that in the past. And so if I'm honest, you know, I'd, instead of sending them to a counselor, I'd love for them to meet with someone in the church first. And we're, we're so pro-church here that we think the church is probably more equipped to handle a lot more than, than she thinks she can. And so instead of sending someone to a counselor, we'd say, hey, why don't we just match you up with someone who's married who's walked through that. And, then, and if that doesn't help, then we, we're not anti-counselor. I'd love to send them to a counselor. But, but if there's something the church can do first, and we try to do that. It's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, Mike. Uh, my questions are a little more logistic. So yeah. uh, notice the purity pledge yep. material. maybe as a percentage of that of that week on intimacy do you talk about healthy intimacy versus yeah. don't do it right now it's great okay so they get um and i love the talk i love the way that that talk has come out and yeah. so the first part of the night is a, a theology of sex and so before you act right we want to help you think right and so um it's casting a great vision for god's design how great it is how beautiful it is, what a great part of the covenant renewal it is every time that we're intimate with our spouse. Then we give them God's word that says specifically, here's why it's reserved for marriage. And then the rest of the night is honeymoon, wedding night, honeymoon, what's in bounds, what's out of bounds, uh, what men wish women would know, what women wish men would know. Uh, and then we split up into men and women. There's a few other things so you, too. But. And, you, and I don't mean to hold you Yeah. Yes, yes. Total contradiction, I just said. Yeah, stereotypes, yep. Yes. So you do get into a little bit of that? Yeah, so that is, again, we'd say not, this is not true for all. One of them, you said that earlier. I'm so glad you called me out on that because I absolutely contradicted myself. So um, generally, this is what we, what we think. And, you know, and there are things, um, you know, the things like about guys are more visual. That's, you know, Shanti Felden stuff, I think, has, has uh, supported that really, really well. And so we feel very comfortable sharing that aspect of it. But, not, but sometimes women are visual as well. And so we do tell them up front, this is, yeah, yeah. Um, and they get, I think they get a really great picture for, you know, like Ted Cunningham said, you know, sex is dirty, gross, and rotten, so save it for the person you love. That's not what we teach. We teach that it's wrong in this environment, but it's so good and right. And so we... We want God's best for you. You know, our lead pastor Todd says God's not trying to rip you off. You know, he, he has something great for you. And so that's, that's the picture we give them. It's good. Yeah, Dave. Uh, so in your large group teaching, um, you have um, a rotation of teachers that yeah. really come for those eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, for your phase one. Have you found that it, um, you know, is it, is it mostly staff or, or do you ever use your, um, your, your leaders? And then also, like, have you found that it's better to Yeah. Good. Yeah, great question. So, do we have the same teachers every week, or do we rotate? Uh, is it just staff, or do we bring in leaders as well? So, in the eight-week class that we do uh, up here, we have a team of six different couples who teach, five different couples, and then one. Uh, the finance talk. We have our uh, finance guy does that by himself, and so they get to hear six different perspectives of teachers. I teach. Uh, two and a half nights out of the eight, I would, lo- I would love to teach. I love to teach. And so, you know, in some ways I'd love to do every single week of it, but it's so much less effective for me to do that. One, I think they get to hear different perspectives. Two, I'm, they're, they're better teachers in some areas than I am. So John and Pam McGee teach on sex. They do the best job I've ever heard. And so I can do it, but it's a definite number two in the rotation. We want our best out there whenever possible. Yep. Yep. So in our in our team, we've got six of the sessions are taught by folks on the marriage team. One is taught by an elder and his wife. 
Uh, the eighth week is taught by our director of finance. Uh, the weekend version, that's much smaller. That's typically 30 to 50 couples. That's become our, our training ground to develop the next set of teachers. And so it's hard to put a, a new teacher in front of a room of 400. You don't want to whiff or drop the ball on that. But in a smaller group, they feel much more comfortable. And so that's become a great way for us to raise up the next set of teachers. And so the weekend class is often taught by lay leaders and not by staff. And then if they do a really great job, then they get, I hate the word, they get promoted to the, to the bigger class. But I feel comfortable with them teaching a larger, larger group. It's a good question. All right, it is 3.09. Um, we're over in the large room at 3.30. I will stick around here for another um, probably five, ten minutes, answer any questions that you have. Please grab candy on the way out. And, and if any of you want, um, I meant to give these out of prizes and forgot. So I'll just, if you want a merge shirt, I'm just going to give them out to whoever, <laughs> who wears a small. You got it? I'm just going to the first hand I see. Who wears a double X? Just me. All right. Who wears a large? Excellent. And let's see what we have here. Thank you. You're welcome. Extra large. Right here. Excellent. Good, let me pray for you. And if you have any questions, just come find me. God, thanks for these churches that are represented here. I pray that we would love your people well. I pray that we would love lost people well. I pray that we would give them a great picture of what marriage is. God, help us to give a balanced view of how awesome it is, how hard it is. And I pray that in this room that we would lead out with integrity in our own lives and our own relationships. Uh, I pray for the church, God. I pray that you would use the church. Uh, to make your name known. I pray that all the churches in this room would be effective for your glory. I pray that we would love pre-married couples well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks. Hope it's been a great couple days. Appreciate y'all.